Martha Stewart, the original influencer. When I think about anything, I think about the way that she did it first. The media mogul. Five to six years ahead, she saw what was coming. The prisoner, the rise, the fall, and the reinvention of an American icon. Once Martha paved the road, everybody else pretty much copied her. A CNN original series, The Many Lives of Martha Stewart, now streaming on Max. Billie Eilish and Phineas O'Connell, they're with us today on Crew Call. I'm your host, Anthony DeLisandro. Billie's vocals, it was automatic art. You know, I had to like choose a more challenging route than just like, da 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 da. You know what I'm saying? Like, it could have been like easier. And a lot of people have asked me, like, how did you choose to have it be so soft and like so simple? And what else was it gonna, like, that's what the song wanted. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Crew Call podcast on Deadline. Zigazoo has made me zigzag. What I mean by that is I swore I would never let my kids on social media, but now I'm setting them loose on Zigazoo. Zigazoo is a space for kids to post videos they've created and to share them with other kids just like them. Videos that are moderated by actual people. And since there are no comments or messaging, you don't have to worry about social trolling. Zigazoo, the world's largest social network for kids. Download the Zigazoo app today. There's plenty to celebrate in March and ex- Craft Month with the perfect pizza at home class from Craftsy. And anytime is right to listen to iHeartRadio's iHeartCountry Radio. Discover more shows and movies for free. This is the look ahead with Scott Seidenberg on VSIN, the sports betting network. Scott Seidenberg back here with you. This is The Look Ahead here on VSIN, the sports betting network. You can always follow along on Twitter at Scott's on air, S-C-O-T-T-S-O-N-A-I-R. NBA playoffs roll on. The Golden State Warriors looking really good. And I saw some people post on Twitter, and I kind of agree. It's like, can we just fast forward to the Western Conference Finals? I mean, honestly. Taking a look at the way that the Warriors and the way that the Phoenix Suns look right now. Is anybody else going to match up in the Western Conference Finals? Like, Phoenix is going to demolish New Orleans. And then they will easily get by Dallas or Utah in the next round. Golden State is handling their business. Memphis, Minnesota could be an all-out war that might go seven games, we're being honest. And I just think that Golden State's going to be too much for whoever, even if it's Memphis, whoever wins that series. We're getting Warriors Suns in the Western Conference Finals. And then, in the East... Toss-up. I'm looking forward to Miami against whoever comes out of that series, Toronto or Philly, likely Philadelphia right now with the 2-0 series lead. Although they do say a series doesn't begin until a team loses a home game. And then Bucks against the winner of the Celtics and uh, Nets. 
that's going to be an incredible series. That I, I might want to fade the team that wins between Brooklyn and Boston just thinking that after a seven-game series, they're going to be all beat up. And then Milwaukee's going to be rested, but maybe, you know, Milwaukee dealing with the long layoff, not so good for them. That they're going to be the ones that are sitting here, you know, waiting to play while the Nets and Celtics go seven games, and then uh, they carry that momentum into game one of the uh, Eastern Conference uh, semis. It'll be fun to watch, but so far, it's been the home teams. And it's been the favorites, really, with the exception of Minnesota winning game one against Memphis and Dallas winning game two here against the Jazz. Home teams have won every other game. And the only really non-covers were, I guess, in the first, uh, you know, the, the maybe it was Sunday. Milwaukee didn't cover. The Net, the Celtics didn't cover. And that's it. Every other team has gone on to, to cover their games. Except, you know, the underdogs winning outright. Those, that's aside. Talking about the teams, you know, teams that won the game. If you win a game as an underdog, you obviously covered the spread. But the teams that won the game and didn't cover only happened twice. It was only... The Bucks and it was the Celtics. So moving ahead to Tuesday, three games on the schedule. Hawks Heat with Miami a seven-point favorite. Timberwolves Grizzlies with Memphis a seven-point favorite. And Pelicans Suns as Phoenix a nine-and-a-half-point favorite. Phoenix was a ten or ten-and-a-half-point favorite against New Orleans in game one. And we saw the Pelicans with a great comeback effort and lose that game by, what, 11? So they almost got the cover, almost backdoored it. The market adjusting where the Suns are less of a favorite in game two. I think that's very interesting. It also is how we've seen... um, perhaps the adjustment according to the zigzag theory that we talked about with our very own Dave Tooley last night. And that is that you bet on the team that lost game one to come out and perform better and cover in game two. On Monday's game twos, it did not work out for Toronto. It did not work out for the Nuggets. It did work out, though, for the Mavericks. And on Tuesday, I don't know if it's going to work out for the Hawks because I just think the Heat are too good. I don't think it'll work out for the Pelicans because I think the Suns are too good. I think it's going to work out for the Grizzlies. And that kind of points me, like you know, it goes to my kind of... um, my read on this theory, which for me, it's backing the home teams that lose. So Memphis falls into that same category as 
Dallas was, a home team that lost home court advantage by losing game one. How do they respond in game two? They absolutely, it's not a must win. We say this all the time. You can't call it a must win because it's not an elimination game. But for all intents and purposes, it's a must win. You got to get this game if you're Memphis. And the market has really believed that that's the case because hosting up Memphis is a seven-point favorite. And it's kind of like what they were in game one. And I think that this could move to seven and a half. I think people are going to get in on Memphis. And, you know, I, 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 I like it too. I know we talked to JVT and he's like, it's too many points. I'm going to take the points with Minnesota. And, and, and I get that. And there's going to be some people out there that will take the points with Minnesota. And maybe I'm a sucker that's fallen into this whole Grizzlies trap here. This team was so good. So good. I can't see them losing back-to-back home games here in the playoffs. I mean, I think they're going to win the series still. And I would actually take a shot. Like, like they are still favored to win the series. I think we have to keep that in mind. That if you look at the current series prices, and this really should be what's telling about where you should lean here in game two. Because the Grizzlies are still favored to win this series despite the fact that they no longer have home court advantage. There are six games remaining in this series. They do not have home court advantage. Of the six games remaining in this series, and, you know, factoring in the one game that we already saw and factoring in the game that we have on Tuesday, three games will be in Minnesota, and a possible three games will be in Memphis of the six games remaining. And Minnesota has one win already. Minnesota just needs to win three games. Memphis has to win four, which means Memphis has to win a game on the road. If Minnesota just wins all three of the home games, They win this series. Yet, Memphis is a minus 125 favorite to win the series. I think that just goes to show you that Memphis is the side here in game number two. That this is where it is, you know? You got to have a response here on your home floor. And I think that's what Memphis is uh, going to do. Uh, teams that are, have a 2-0 lead in the series, uh, or at least uh, you know, we, we will hear these numbers all the time. Teams that have a 2-0 lead, um, what they do to in the rest of the series. I, I said that the old cliche is that a... Um, Series doesn't begin until a team loses 
a home game. That's sure what's going to happen here. Um, Here we go. A total of 435 playoff series have had a 2-0 status. 92.9% the team that has the 2-0 lead goes on to win that series. In the first round, 188 series. Of those 188 series, 176, the team that has a 2-0 lead has gone on to win. That's 93.6% of the time. 12 times, the team that is down 0-2 has gone on to win the series. Right now, we have the 76ers up 2-0. We got the Warriors up 2-0. Heat, Timberwolves, and Suns will all look for that pivotal 2-0 lead coming up here on Tuesday. Which of them get it? Which of them don't get it? I'm Scott Seidenberg. Hit me up on Twitter at Scott's on Air, S-C-O-T-T-S-O-N-A-I-R. Coming up next, we will be joined by Mackenzie Rivers from Fox Sports Radio as we talk more about the NBA playoffs and so, so much more. This is The Look Ahead here on VSIN, the sports betting network. As someone who lives for politics, when a major scandal unfolds, it was shocking. I have to know. What were they thinking? Backroom deals. Huge amounts of money. CIA secrets. Sets off a firestorm in Washington. Affairs. No way this guy's got a mistress. Corruption. I knew I was a dead man. Warning, it's even messier than you thought. United States of Scandal with Jake Tapper, Sunday at 9 on CNN. Welcome to the Scene to Scene podcast. I am your host, Valerie Complex. Today, I am chatting with Ji Young Yoo. Ji Young stars as co-lead in the six-part limited series, Expats. I think I learn a little bit with every character that I play. I think usually I play a character and it causes enough introspection that I learn something about myself. I honestly can't gush enough about Freaky Tales. I'm so excited to share it with more people. If you like what you hear, be sure to review, like, and subscribe to the Scene to Scene podcast. Have you heard about the social media platform for kids? It's called Zigazoo. It's a great place where kids like me can come together to make fun videos. Zigazoo is moderated by real live people who review content before it's posted on the feed. (laughs) I especially love the dance challenges. So much fun. Oh, and there's no comments or messaging, so you don't get any of that negativity that's all over other social networks. Oh, my friends love it. I love that it's kids-safe COPPA certified. Uh, I don't know what that means. It means it has built-in privacy protections for your online data. Eh, that's great, but I wouldn't be doing Zigazoo if it wasn't fun. She would not be doing it if I didn't think her data was safe. Zigazoo, the world's largest social network. For kids! (laughs) Download the Zigazoo app today. Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury with a reveal unlike any other as Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. 
Join us March 20th live from the edge at Hudson Yards in New York City, featuring an unforgettable performance by Grammy and Academy Award-winning singer, songwriter, and composer, John Batiste. The all-new Infiniti QX80 is unlike any luxury SUV you've ever seen. Smart enough to anticipate your needs, even before you do. Every line, curve, and detail was thoughtfully crafted so everything for every passenger feels just right. Don't miss it. Mark your calendars and be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. This is The Look Ahead on VSIN, the sports betting network. Compete for cash, even if you're not an expert. With the FTX Playoffs Prediction Challenge, join this 16-part prediction pool series and play for your share of $80,000 in total cash prizes with your playoff hoops predictions. Head to DraftKings.com slash FTX now to get on the action. FTX, the number one pick for crypto. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for details. Scott Seidenberg back here. It's The Look Ahead here on VSIN, the sports betting network. Joined in studio by Mackenzie Rivers, Fox Sports Radio, pregame.com. You got the Dream Preview podcast uh, straight out of Vegas. You guys wear so many hats. Uh, you know, it's just. Uh, well, I got to at this point. Yeah. I mean. <laughs> he's, he's, uh, he's got a lot of names, a lot of uh, titles to, to go along with his, uh, his expertise. And we love having him on the show. And Mackenzie would. What have you noticed so far in the NBA playoffs? We've seen home teams do extremely well so far in the first round. The only two that lost were, you know, the Grizzlies losing game yep. one and the Mavericks losing game one, but the Mavericks bounced back with a win here in game two as a five-point underdog. Yeah, and the Mavericks lost the first game as a road as a home underdog, so a road favorite one. Yes. So obviously most home teams are the better team. They're the higher seed. They're going to be the favorite. But I think I want to drill down not on the home team, but the favorites because – since Steph Curry won his first championship and the three-point revolution came down upon <laughs> us and we've all had to live with it, uh, favorites in the playoffs, the teams that hit the threes, that go on the 16-0 runs, 55%. Minus one, you're mm. betting them. Minus 10, you're betting them. Any favorite, the last five playoffs is 55% ATS, 11-4 and four so far. I guess with the Warriors, that makes it 12-4, and four, or 12-5 and five actually with the Mavericks, but still 70% winners. It's... It's predictable at this point. There's no let-up in these teams. They play till the 48 minutes. They, you saw the, the death lineup come back out with a 20-point lead in the Warriors game. Uh, it's, it makes sense to me that these favorites are winning and covering. The totals are way higher than they've ever been. And these algorithms are based on lots and lots of data that really doesn't matter. Post-2015, the totals went from 200 to 220. Any handicapping that you're doing that's based on data before then, I think you're, you're, you should be at least cautious mm. that you're not – analyzing the, the specific sport that we find ourselves in today. Favorites and overs. Well, not necessarily overs, but big runs happen in every single game you see, and that's why favorites keep covering. Yeah, well, we got some uh, interesting lines on the board here on Tuesday. The Heat are a seven-point favorite over the Hawks in Game 2. Game 1, the Heat uh, handled them 115-91. to They closed that one as a six-and-a-half-point favorite, so a similar line here. In game two, will we see a similar outcome? The Hawks had everything up against it. It was the third game in five nights, and the NBA gave them no favors. They had to play at like 10 o'clock Eastern in the morning. So there was a lot of disadvantages to the Hawks. So I would only lean to them, but 
Because I mean, here's why I would lean to them. This this game was April eighth. Mm-hmm. Everybody played Butler, Adebayo, Young. Everybody was in the lineup, and the Heat closes minus one and a half point favorites. What was the difference? Well, the Hawks needed the game like blood, and the Heat didn't. Yes, now both teams are max motivated, so maybe it normalizes. It goes back to four where that game opened on April 8th. But to get up to seven, I haven't seen anything from the Hawks. I know they lost their center in Clint Capella. That would make me downgrade them that much. Mm. So uh, as, as much as favorites have been red hot, I could only look at the Hawks in that one. Uh, before we get to the Grizzlies, Tim Wills, because I think that's the most fascinating game, uh, we'll jump ahead here to the Suns and the Pelicans. Suns closed as about a 10, maybe 10.5-point favorite yeah. in game one. The Pelicans almost backdoored this thing. You know, they, at the end, they lost by 11. We're seeing now the Suns as a 9.5-point favorite in game two. Why the adjustment here? Why aren't they 10 or 10 and a half? Is, are everyone, is everyone betting on the Pelicans because of the performance in game one? Two things. Similar with the Hawks, where they had was their third game in five nights, so that disadvantage is now taken off the board for the Pelicans. So maybe that's a half point. But from 10 and a half to 9 and a half, there's more than that. I think it had to do with the way the game was played. Yes, if I, you had 10 and a half, you were sitting pretty for 90% of the game, mm-hmm. and then you were sweating bullets at the very end. But the rebounding in the game, the actual stats, if you just don't look at the shooting, because that's kind of random, if you just look at the turnovers and the rebounding, unbelievable performance by the Pelicans. 99th percentile in offensive rebounding and defensive rebounding. It was the worst Suns rebounding performance of the season. And we've seen this all year with the Pelicans. They're a big team. They have, like, Brandon Ingham's their small forward. He's, like, seven feet. They bring a lot of guys to the table. And the Suns, they were kind of sleepwalking. They kind of felt like they had it. They were kind of soft. And they, they shot red hot. They were lucky to cover. I was lucky to cover backing them. But if they shoot normally, if they shoot like they usually do, the Pelicans are right in that game right until the very end. Yeah, it's interesting. Uh, I actually had a money line parlay that needed the Suns to win to close it out. So I wound up hedging and trying to go for a middle. And because I you know had a nice investment here, I actually <laughs> bought two points. And I took the Pelicans plus 12. Oh, easy money. Because I <laughs> wanted to maximize my middle opportunity. At, at what point? Of, of, was it uh, before the game? Before the game. Oh, okay. Yeah, because okay. I wanted to maximize. I wanted to give myself two extra points room to middle. If this was only a straight bet and I didn't have the parlay ready to cash with yeah. the Suns winning, I wouldn't have laid minus 150 to buy the two points. But I did it because I had this money line parlay with the Suns that was ready to cash. And so I went for the middle. I got the middle because nice. they lost by 11. So I nice. wound up winning both uh, both bets It was there. one of those games <laughs> yeah. where if you're, if you're a savvy better, you should have cashed with the Suns early when, whenever they got down, nine Suns and a half. Or Suns first half, yeah. Suns first half mm-hmm. was an easy winner. Or if you're the Pelicans, it got up to plus 21 and a half. Yeah, wild. And the Suns uh, were, were not playing. The, mm-hmm. Monty Williams said in the third quarter, they're playing much harder than us. That was evident. That's the kind of thing you can see and take advantage on the live line. Let's talk about the most interesting game on the board here on yes. Tuesday, and that is going to be the Timberwolves and the Grizzlies. Uh, Minnesota comes out. They win game one. The first quarter, they scored 41 points. That's usually what Memphis does to yeah. teams in the first quarter of these games. Uh, and now you're seeing a similar spread to what we saw in game one, which is the Grizzlies laying seven. Meanwhile, when these two teams played in the regular season – the line was much lower. Yes. So there's obviously been an adjustment to the playoffs, but are the Grizzlies overvalued here, or is this the right number because of the situation specifically in this game too? Yeah, the zigzag factors in the Grizzlies' favor, especially at home, facing an 0-2 deficit, they're going to be 100% motivated. 
That said, I have these teams watching them closely throughout the throughout the season. I have them one point apart. The Grizzlies were plus ten. The Timberwolves were much worse than that. But that's the whole season taken as a whole. The Grizzlies had very little uh, stoppages to how well they were playing, where the Timberwolves had ups and downs. That said, coming into the season, I think we should do this exercise more and more. If you close your eyes and you said, all right, I'm not going to watch the regular season because it doesn't matter. Mm -hmm. And then you came fast forward six months, you wouldn't have this as a seven-point line. These teams were both expected to win about 41 games. They both exceeded expectations. They both have young players in Morant and Anthony Edwards who are probably the most improved of the season. I think they're about even teams. I think the Timberwolves are maybe, I mean, the uh, Grizzlies are a little bit deeper. I think the Timberwolves probably have better star talent at the top with Carl Anthony Towns. I mean, he's been their fifth, fifth year in the league. And Anthony Edwards making that leap. I think seven's too high. The zigzag gives them maybe another point, maybe a half a point because they need it more. I still think, I thought the long line was crazy game one. I, st I still think it's wrong. I think, if anything, think about the pressure that's on the Grizzlies. I mean, this was supposed to be their coach of the year, most improved player, number one ATS team. This was the... This was the come up for the Grizzlies. Mm -hmm. Timberwolves have nothing to lose. They made the playoffs. They made their team goal. I feel like they could win outright. I think they could get out to a big lead early with the with the Grizzlies starting to feel that pressure. And I think the Timberwolves, I like the plus 250 number. I think they win. Wow. See, to me, it's about if Jaron Jackson Jr. stays on the floor. Good point. Because if he does not get into foul trouble, I think the Grizzlies will do well defensively against this team. Uh, he got into foul trouble in, in game one. And that was a big issue. It's been a big issue for this team all season. Uh, he's their best defender. He's the best defender in the NBA, regardless of Marcus Smart winning the award. Uh, are you, are, is is Beeson protesting? I'm, I'm, I, yeah, I'm not, I, honestly, I'm so disheartened from even betting a, an award future ever again. Because I don't know what the voters even think about anymore. I just think that it's laziness on the voters' part. And I think that it's about... And I'm not trying to disrespect Marcus Smart. But I think that they just spend so much time focused on the MVP vote yeah. that for these other awards, they're just like, nah, what's everybody talking about? It's like a hundred media panel, two from each like market. How many watch games from other markets? No, it's, none of it's, them. It's, it's narrative based. It, no, I'm telling you, it is exactly. Yeah. And they're like, well, they're like, oh, they spend so much time in the MVP that when it comes to the other awards, like, oh, defensive player of the year, oh, oh Marcus Smart, we know him. Right, right. right. And, every, good. and everyone's yeah. been talking about how Boston's been the best defensive yeah. team in is the Marcus league. Is Marcus Smart the best defender Yeah, they're on like, the okay, yeah. No, oh, yeah, sure. Marcus Smart. Meanwhile, Robert yeah. Williams, probably the better defender right. on that team. It's so funny. Uh, uh, Jonathan Montobo said this earlier. Robert Williams didn't even miss that much time at the end of the year. But if he doesn't get hurt, right. I don't know if Marcus Smart wins this award. It's like, as soon as he got hurt, people were like, oh, yeah, forget about that Robert Williams guy. Marcus Smart is the reason why the Celtics had this best, this incredible defensive run here. Meanwhile, the guy who led the league in blocks, blocks per game, blocks and steals, and uh, you know saw the over four or five point difference in the rating when he's on the floor or off the floor in terms of rim scoring doesn't even get considered to be a top three finalist. Anyway, he's Mackenzie <laughs> Rivers from Fox Sports Radio. Not the that we're complaining. Preview podcast. I'm Scott Seidenberg. We'll continue the conversation coming up next. This is The Look Ahead here on v the Sports Betting Network. Scott Satterberg back here on The Look Ahead. He's in the Sports Betting Network, joined in the studio by Mackenzie Rivers from Fox Sports Radio, the Dream Preview Podcast. And, Mackenzie, let's continue the NBA playoff conversation on Wednesday. We got game two between the Nets and the Celtics. Can I interest you in the Brooklyn Nets to win this series now 
at plus 180. Keep in mind, when this thing opened, the Nets actually opened up as the favorite. It shifted to the Celtics, and the Celtics win game one by a buzzer beater. Didn't cover. Didn't cover. They win by the buzzer beater. They are three-and-a-half-point favorites in game two. But for the series, minus 220, Nets plus 180. I think Brooklyn's the better team. I thought that coming into the series, I thought the Celtics' home court advantage would pay dividends. But now that they kind of got that out the way, I think plus 180 has value. Or you could probably do fine just betting on the money line for game two. Sure. Because as Tony Kornheiser likes to say, you know, luminary of these sports radio airwaves, game one's the one game that usually doesn't matter. If Mm -hmm. it's a series, the game one doesn't matter because – Zigzag theory and all that. Brooklyn needs this game more than anything, so I think that's the value. Uh, plus one will be one forty on the money line. I think I think the Nets win game three. Game yeah, two. Nets uh, play yeah, about plus one thirty four right now on the uh, money line coming up on Wednesday. I like them. I, I do like them to win that game as well. And it's amazing. Like Boston, I, I thought they were very fortunate. Kevin Durant was terrible, especially in the first half. Yeah, and they get the victory. They were winning. They pulled ahead. They had an extensive lead, but yet there's less than a minute left in the game, and Brooklyn has the lead. So as good as Boston played, as bad as Durant played, Kyrie Irving goes off, and the Nets have a lead in the closing seconds of the game. So the question is, what's more likely, Kevin Durant going 9 for 24, 24 points, Mm -hmm. or Kyrie Irving catching fire? I will remind you, Kyrie Irving hit 12 shots in this past game. He hit 12 shots in the last game in the play-in. Except on that, it was only 13 attempts. Mm-hmm. Kyrie Irving's been red hot all season. He's having his best yep. year. I think that's going to be pretty consistent. Kevin Durant will play better. I think the difference is, I think what we didn't know before game one that we know now is that Seth Curry's pretty healthy. He had six assists, looked pretty spry out there, three of seven shooting. And Goran Dragic's a guy. Goran Dragic was a big question mark, picked up off the scrap heap. Uh, you know, former Heat, former Nash, uh, understudy. He's a player, and if they have enough guys, because mm-hmm. that's really their issue. It's depth. It's not talent. They have Jalen Brown, Kevin Durant, Kevin Durant, Kevin Durant. Jalen, I mean, Jason Tatum, Kyrie Irving, you know, the, the pair I would give to the Nets, for sure, without question. So can the other guys at least maintain parity? I think in game one they showed that they can. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, as far as the teams that have taken uh, 2-0 leads, Sixers over the Raptors, they're up Done. 2-0. Uh, you think that series is over? Yeah, it's it's it's, it's it, they're scared. They're scared. I mean, uh, Nick Nurse said after Game One, you know, we got punched in the mouth, and we're gonna see if we can respond. They couldn't respond. Mm-hmm. They didn't respond. It's over. Two uh, zero lead for the uh, Warriors. I think that series is over. <laughs> Absolutely. I'll tell you this right now on the futures board. The first time I was on here, I said the Heat are thirty. I mean, the Celtics are thirty to one. The Heat are ten to one. What's the difference? Mm-hmm. The Suns are two to one. The Sixers are six and a half to one. I mean, I'm sorry. The Warriors are six and a half to one. The Warriors have three championships under their belt. All their guys are back. The Warriors, you know, they've lost a few more regular season games, but why is that data so important? You know, coming into the season, Steph Curry or Chris Paul, Steph Curry. Clay Thompson, Devin Booker, maybe it's a toss-up. Maybe Devin Booker is younger. And then the rest of the roster, they're all more experienced. Jordan Poole's obviously been a revelation, but I think the Warriors at plus 650 is crazy. But, you know, sharp betters here in Vegas – AB playing the futures market isn't the sharpest way to go about it on the Warriors. So here's an alternative. Minus 240, the Suns don't win the championship. I have the Warriors. I have the Nets. I have Celtics. All teams that I have power rated at or better than the Suns, I'll take take my chances with the field. 
minus 240 versus the Suns. I just want to fast forward to that Western Conference Finals between I know, the right? Warriors and the Suns. Because... <laughs> really looking forward to that. Um, the question for me is the winner of the Nets Celtics series going up against the Milwaukee Bucks. Obviously, who will have just finished their sweep. Who will have just fit? Well, not just finished their sweep. Who will have had a couple of days true, off true, true, after true. finishing their sweep, yeah. waiting for the Nets and Celtics to finish up Game Seven in Boston, right? Uh, and then having to travel then to Milwaukee. Where do we see that series ending up? Do you give Milwaukee the defending champs the edge and look for them to get back to the Eastern Conference Finals, or could you back a Celtics or a Nets team coming off what should be a grueling series? I would have less trouble, and I think the Nets are going to win. But if the Celtics were to win, having that first game at home is a huge advantage. Because mm. having to wheel to Milwaukee after what would have been probably the hardest series of the playoffs, that's probably a loss. And then you're, you know, you're dealing, you have to win four games in six. And I think the Nets might be a team that is okay losing that first game. True. They might even, you know? yeah. So, like, if they travel to Milwaukee after, like, just beating the, the Celtics in six or seven games, and they're just like, all right. You know, yeah. it's okay. We lose this game. It's all right. We lost the first game in Boston. It's okay. But you're right. True, true. Boston at home might be a little more equipped to handle uh, game one against. I like I like either side. I like either the Nets or the Celtics to beat the Bucks. The Bucks haven't been that great, you know, this year. And they weren't that great last year. They kind of, the Suns, you talked about their path and all the injuries. The Bucks were down 0-2 to the Nets and down three points in the final minute. Kyrie Irving gets hurt. We all know the rest. But the Bucks haven't really impressed me. I mean, they really sleepwalked through the through the uh, Chicago game. I don't see the kind of venom from the rest of the guys outside of Giannis that I have seen in the past. Especially Chris Middleton has been falling off. Drew Holiday's been all right, but I like I would take the Celtics or the Nets right now to beat the Bucks, despite the clear disadvantage of the scheduling. Couldn't have worked mm. out better from a scheduling perspective to, to go against their little brother Chicago. <laughs> Milwaukee got lucky that way. Yeah, Giannis has not lost to the Bulls since December of 2017. That's just a crazy Only three stat. of those games, yeah, I actually looked up that stat after you brought it to the yeah. table. Uh, only three of those games were single digits. Actually, a fourth now, game one, was a single-digit game. Yeah, yeah. The last time the Bucks lost to them was last game of the regular season last year, but no one played from Milwaukee. Yeah. Yeah. Other than that, they've just absolutely dominated. And, like I, said, and I, have a, yeah. I have a theory. In fact, if you bet the Bucks every time they beat a team, you're like 55% the last four years since Giannis' first MVP. Hmm. In every other scenario, if they didn't cover, if they didn't beat a team – they're only 48%. So there's this tremendous momentum. I call it the sharp elbows theory. Oh, Because Giannis comes down the lane, and he inflicts a punishment that's unlike, I mean, it's kind of like Shaq, but it's unlike anybody else in the league. And we see teams just are a little more hesitant in that next matchup. 70% ATS against the Central Division, the Bucks are. Those are teams they see every year, yeah. four times a year, and they're just sick of it. The Bulls, they had one, I think, spirited rally, but I think they're going to wilt uh, as you know, this freight train starts gaining momentum. I agree with you. I like the Bucks uh, to keep rolling here. I picked them to sweep, and I think that's what's going to happen here in this series. Uh, let me talk football with you real quick. Let's do it. We had another USFL under here uh, in a game that was delayed. Um, it seems the 17 like... 17-3 to three barn burner. Yeah, exactly. Uh, will we continue to ride this train? What number can the book post out there that will make you uh, cautious? about betting an under in a USFL game. It's not 50. I'll tell you that much. <laughs> yeah. They keep putting up 50. And we're all curious. This like, was like four, I think it was 46 uh, for today. It was like 46. All right, all right. So they're, they're learning, but I'm not sure if they're learning fast enough. Yeah. I think what really um, helped them get away with this is that the first game, 
saw a huge fourth quarter with 24 points, flew over to 52. Mm-hmm. That was so unlike any other quarter or you know half of USFL that we've seen. But that was the prime time first game. I think a lot of people <laughs> saw that. A lot of novice betters are saying 46. That seems about right. I'll go over when it really isn't even close. Yeah, I think we got to keep going with the unders there no doubt. for the USFL. Uh, have you settled in on any draft bets yet? Yes, I like Stingley under because uh, 12 and a half is around the number. Okay. Eric Stingley Jr., the cornerback. This is a draft where there's absolutely no guarantees. Malik Willis is probably a 5% chance to succeed. He might go number six to the Panthers because taking a flyer makes sense when there's, uh, I mean, they don't know who's going to go number one. There's a huge amount of variability. Derek Stingley Jr., his coming off a foot injury is probably the, the least, you know, keep you up at night kind of thing for yeah. a general manager because you can say, oh, well, he was a five-star recruit. Every time he was in the lineup, he looked great. All right, but he has a foot injury. That's a risk I'm willing to take at 12 or 11. Whereas this guy might be good one day is a harder thing to sell, you know, trying to keep your job as a general manager. So I think he's the safe pick despite the foot injury, like the quarterback, Derek Stingley Jr., under 12 and a half. I'm going to give you one here. Sauce Gardner. Sauce. Top five. Yeah. Oh. Even money. Ooh, I've. I've been hearing about him name since it was under seven and a half. The Giants at five yeah. seem to be the destination. So, yeah, I like that. Unless if if the Giants unless the Giants trade that pick, yeah, which well you know good. maybe there's the Steelers want to yeah. jump ahead of the Panthers to take a quarterback. Maybe they call up the Giants and they yeah. they take that fifth the uh, uh, fifth pick. I don't know. We've seen but, a run on receivers. I think it makes a lot of sense that we'll see a run on quarterbacks at the same time. Yeah, I think we're yeah. It's going to be a fun draft uh, for sure. We're definitely going to dive further into it. As we get closer and closer you to going? It's right the here in 28th. Our uh, I'm going to avoid that <laughs> <laughs> like the plague. He's Mackenzie Rivers. Check out the Dream Preview podcast. Catch him straight out of Vegas, Fox Sports Radio. I'm Scott Seidenberg. You can uh, hit me up on Twitter at Scott's On Air. This is The Look Ahead here on VSIN, the Sports Betting Network. CNN Underscore's Guide to Sleep has tons of recommendations for products that can help you get the best night's sleep ever. All right, let's face it. Most of us have had trouble falling or staying asleep at some point. And there are a lot of products and hacks claiming to be the solution to our sleepless nights. That's why the CNN Underscore team spend hundreds of hours testing products to find the ones that can make a huge difference in the quality of your slumber. Visit Underscore.com now for our ultimate guide to getting better sleep. Billie Eilish and Phineas O'Connell, they're with us today on Crew Call. I'm your host, Anthony D'Alessandro. Billie's vocals, it was automatic art. You know, I had to like choose a more challenging route than just like da 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 da. You know what I'm saying? Like it could have been like easier. And a lot of people have asked me, like, how did you choose to have it be so soft and like so simple? And what else was it gonna like? That's what the song wanted. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Crew Call podcast on Deadline. Have you heard about the social media platform for kids? It's called Zigazoo. It's a great place where kids like me can come together to make fun videos. Zigazoo is moderated by real live people who review content before it's posted on the feed. Oh. <laughs> 
I especially love the dance challenges. So much fun. Oh, and there's no comments or messaging, so you don't get any of that negativity that's all over other social networks. All my friends love it. I love that it's KidSafe COPPA certified. Uh, I don't know what that means. It means it has built-in privacy protections for your online data. Uh, that's great, but I wouldn't be doing Zigazoo if it wasn't fun. She would not be doing it if I didn't think her data was safe. Zigazoo, the world's largest social network. For kids! <laughs> Download the Zigazoo app today. Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury with a reveal unlike any other as Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Join us March 20th live from the edge at Hudson Yards in New York City Featuring an unforgettable performance by Grammy and Academy Award-winning singer, songwriter, and composer, John Batiste. The all-new Infiniti QX80 is unlike any luxury SUV you've ever seen. Smart enough to anticipate your needs, even before you do. Every line, curve, and detail was thoughtfully crafted, so everything for every passenger feels just right. Don't miss it. Mark your calendars and be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. This is The Look Ahead on VSIN, the sports betting network. The NFL Draft is right here in Las Vegas. We're going to have extensive coverage, including mock drafts from our very own Matt Humans. Michael Lombardi, a former NFL GM, is going to give his draft analysis. Beeson host Mike Pritchard, who was a former first-round pick, 13th overall in 1991. And quarterback Sean King, they're going to give you insight that you can bet on. Also, legendary sports broadcaster and the voice of the Las Vegas Raiders, Brent Musburger, will give his draft day best bets. It's all in our NFL Draft betting guide. Sign up today, get full access to VSIN through the NFL Draft for only $19 at vsin.com slash spring. Scott Seidenberg back here with you. It is the look ahead here on VSIN, the sports betting network. You can always hit me up on Twitter at scottsonair, S-C-O-T-T-S, O-N-A-I-R. Let's talk about the leans here and maybe some plays for Tuesday's slate of games. In the NBA with these three games, the way that I am uh, leaning for them is going to be uh, the... It's tough. I think I'm going to go with the Memphis Grizzlies in the... First half, I think the Grizz jump out to a lead. Playing with a little bit of uh, desperation, I like the Grizzlies. I'll lay the four in the first half for the Memphis Grizzlies against the Timberwolves. As far as covering the game, I don't know, but I think they'll have a lead going into the half, and then we'll see what happens for the remainder of the game. Uh, Other NBA plays, let's go with... um, Let's do, kind of want to back the Pelicans again. But they didn't cover last time. This time, could they, you know, maybe figure some things out? I mean, the Suns just looked really, really good early on in that game. 
I think a way that I would like to play this is the over 221 and a half for this one. How does that sound? Maybe that's a, a lean here. That's, uh, that's really what I got going on in uh, the NBA. As far as Major League Baseball, let's dive a little further now into the Major League Baseball slate, okay? I really like the Giants in game one versus the Mets. You know, Tyler McGill, kind of maybe a regression candidate. Um, he has looked fantastic in his first two starts of the season. No runs allowed in five innings with no walks and six strikeouts against Washington. And then no runs allowed on three hits in five and a third with five strikeouts and no walks against the Phillies. I mean, can can this kid really keep this thing up? I don't know. And the Giants are so good. They really are. And Alex Cobb um, pitched very well in his first start against San Diego. He gave up two runs on four hits in five innings. He walked two. He struck out ten batters. It's hard. I, I, I want to. This is what really is the play. Whoever loses game one, back them in game two. Got to wait and see the lineups. How will the Mets and Giants treat this, this doubleheader? Will we see um, backup catchers play in game one or in game two? Will players, some players maybe DH in one game, get a half a game off? Like, I don't know. I got to see how Buck Showalter... And um, and Gabe Kapler are going to handle the lineups. But as far as double headers, I think it's very hard to sweep a double header. Here we go. Last season, there were 60 double headers in Major League Baseball. Of those 60 doubleheaders, now keep in mind, those were um, those were uh, seven-inning doubleheaders, right? Was it seven innings in tw- last season, or is it seven innings? When were the seven-inning uh, uh, no uh, doubleheaders? That was last year, right? I feel like you know the COVID year is like crazy. It's like all the stuff is you know it's your 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 um. They're just blending into each other. But uh, the seven-inning doubleheaders well, for the COVID season, last season, all that stuff. Anyway, last season, 60 doubleheaders, 26 of them were sweeps. 12 of them by the visitors, 14 of them by the home teams. In 2020, 56 doubleheaders, 30 of them were sweeps. So it was a high percentage of them. There was also a high percentage in 2019 33 doubleheaders, 19 sweeps. In 2018, though, 34 doubleheaders, only 12 sweeps. In 2017, 29 doubleheaders, only 10 sweeps. And, you know, it's, for the most part, it's 50, 50% or less. 2012, uh, 20, 2013 was a high number. There were 16 sweeps out of 26 doubleheaders. 60 doubleheaders last season and 26 sweeps. 56 
in 2020 and 30 sweeps. So we're talking about the last uh, 116 doubleheaders. Let's do the math here, right? Let's try and come up with a percentage. We'll do uh, 116 doubleheaders. There were 56 sweeps. So how do we do that? 56, 116, 48%. So less than a little less than half. It's not overwhelming either way, but it's I think that I always like playing against a um team that loses game one of the doubleheader. And I especially if it's the it, first of all, either way. That game two between the Mets and the Giants with Logan Webb and Max Scherzer is going to be incredible. The total of that game, six or six and a half, is just way too low. So I might just automatically want to fire in on an over six and a half for that game two. Game one, the total is seven, which is low also. But I can't make an official play because I don't know the lineups and I don't know who's playing because I really have to see the way that these managers treat the doubleheader. Who's going to DH, who's going to get the game off, so on and so forth. How many pitchers and what pitchers are used out of the bullpen in game one, which would then determine who's available or unavailable for game two. Lots to go, lot, a lot that goes into handicapping the doubleheader here. Um, other leans on this Major League Baseball schedule, I mean, how could you go against the Dodgers at home, right? I mean, they have won now seven straight games. They're 5-0 and at home. You got Walker Bueller on the hill against Max Freed. Dodgers are minus 160. It's very difficult to bet against them. Rangers and Mariners, you got John Gray against Robbie Ray. A lot of rhyming there. Seattle minus 150 at home, total of seven and a half. The Rangers have been very good to the over this season. So uh, maybe we see some runs here between the Rangers and the Mariners. Uh, Padres minus 185 against the Reds. Um, Orioles and A's. Now this one could be fun. We don't know who's pitching yet for Baltimore, but Cole Irvin goes for the A's in his first start of the season. He allowed four runs on seven hits and five and a third. And in his second start, he allowed three runs on five hits in six and a third. So definitely a candidate to go over. Maybe this total opens up at a high number, like a nine or a nine and a half. Maybe the under is the way to go. Baltimore has played 10 games this season. All 10 have gone under the posted total. Uh, Kyle Gibson and Kyle Freeland go. Philly and the Rockies. Philly's bats got to get going. They've lost six of seven. And maybe going up against Kyle Freeland is the recipe for success. Because that dude has given up five runs in each of his first two starts. Um, Maybe this is a bounce back for the Phillies. They are minus 135. Um, Elsewhere, Game two of a doubleheader between the Diamondbacks and the Nationals. Same philosophy as the Mets. I got to see what's going on with the lineups, but I might be on the Diamondbacks fading Yohan Adon, who is 0-2 with a 10 ERA so far in his first two starts this season. Coming up this morning on Follow the Money, Jonathan Vontobel, who we spoke to tonight, 
We'll be on the program at 8.30 a.m. and then at 9.30 a.m. Eastern Time. Uh, Jeff Davis, the assistant sportsbook manager here at Circa, will join the program. That's coming up on Follow the Money. You can follow me, Scott Seidenberg, on Twitter at ScottsOnAir, S-C-O-T-T-S-O-N-A-I-R. This is The Look Ahead right here on VSIN, the sports betting network. Have you heard about the social media platform for kids? It's called Zikazoo. It's a great place where kids like me can come together to make fun videos. Videos moderated by real people who review content before it's posted to the feed. I love the dance challenges. I love that it's Kids Safe COPPA certified. Uh, I don't know what that means. It means it has built-in privacy protections for your online data. Zigazoo, the world's largest social network. For kids. <laughs> Download the Zigazoo app today. As someone who lives for politics, when a major scandal unfolds... It was shocking. I have to know, what were they thinking? Backroom deals. Huge amounts of money. CIA secrets. Sets off a firestorm in Washington. Affairs. No way this guy's got a mistress. Corruption. I knew I was a dead man. Warning, it's even messier than you thought. United States of Scandal with Jake Tapper, Sunday at 9 on CNN. Billie Eilish and Phineas O'Connell, they're with us today on Crew Call. I'm your host, Anthony D'Alessandro. Billie's vocals, it was automatic art. You know, I had to like choose a more challenging route than just like da-da-da-da. You know what I'm saying? Like it could have been like easier. And a lot of people have asked me like, how did you choose to have it be so soft and like so simple? And what else was it going to like? That's what the song wanted. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Crew Call podcast on Deadline. There's plenty to celebrate in March and ex- Craft Month with the perfect pizza at home class from Craftsy. And anytime is right to listen to iHeartRadio's iHeartCountry Radio. Discover more shows and movies for free. 